Welcome to episode 101 of the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. I bought a new lens recently, namely the EF 85mm f1.22, the second model or second version USM lens from Canon. And when the guy paid that I paid in the shop, um, sort of, you know, was finishing off the conversation and everything, he said to me, uh, you, I can bring it back for anything up to two weeks if I find anything wrong with it. So I thought I'd do a few tests and make sure that it lives up to my, uh, not so much up to my expectations, because I guess I've already made the decision that I'm going to buy the lens. They wouldn't take it back unless there was something wrong with it. But, um, you know, there are sometimes things wrong with lenses, although I've never hit one of these myself. So I decided to do some tests just to make sure that everything is in order. And today I'm going to share some of the details of the tests that I made uh, to make sure that everything was fine uh, before the grace period to take it back runs out. Before we go on though, a quick uh, word, um, a quick word shouldn't really do it justice, but I want to say a huge thank you to all of you that mailed and posted in the forum uh, congratulating me, or us really, on the 100th episode last week. Also, a totally humongous thanks to all of you that posted image with images with uh, congratulations in you know sort of intermingled and worked into the image somehow uh, into the members galleries i was totally blown away by this and really quite moved by all the trouble that you went to uh, to either photograph uh, something that you'd sort of made yourself or to manipulate an image in some way to include the the text and often sort of thanks for the podcast you guys really are the best, you know, and thanks very much. And a special thanks to Robin Kelly too, as I hear it was you that sparked this wonderful idea. So thanks a million, mate. A few weeks ago, I mentioned that I'd made a mistake uh, in picking up a Canon EF what, uh, sorry, 50mm f1.2 L lens in the store and uh, I was sort of really taken back by its wonderful bokeh which is the, you know, the out of focus area of the image. Well, I started to check around and see if this lens really was as good as it seemed just by looking at the images on the LCD and it turns out that in general everyone has that has bought this lens is very, very happy with it there are a few issues that I saw in multiple posts around the around the internet. I don't have first information on this, but I read many reports that it has a pretty bad fringing and uh, chromatic aberration when shooting wide open. And when shooting closer uh, objects, you know, things that are um, closer than three feet or so, there are also some focusing issues. I'm not going to go into details. As I say, I I don't have first in first hand information on this, and I I don't want to sort of say too much. But the comments were enough to put me off the lens, especially because uh, one of the main reasons that I want a lens with this wide an aperture is so that I can shoot objects close up, uh, close to the minimum focus distance, 
and you know just have a really really shallow depth of field at that point most of you will know that i like that really sort of dreamy effect that shots get uh, you know when they have oodles of background and often foreground bucket so i rekindled the interest that i've had for the 85 mm f 1.2 version 2 lens that was released from canon last year as an update to their most popular portrait and fashion photography lens. I'd had an opportunity to play with one of these for a short while, a while back, and it had really blown me away. Um, but I, I'd kind of just put it to the to the back burner for a while um, while I was sort of getting enough money by, um, enough money by to, um, to buy the, the 1DS Mark III when it came out. And now that's done and I'm, I'm just about to, through all of that, just waiting now. I figured that I could uh, I could also splash out on one of the other things that was on the uh, the top of the list. The other thing is the 300mm f2.8, but I think that's uh, that's a little way away yet. I've uh, I've got a while to go before I'll be able to add that to the arsenal as well. So anyway, I decided to take the plunge and I picked up an 85mm f1.2 on uh, last Friday. As I said in the intro, the guy in the store had said that, you know, as I paid for the lens, that I could take it back for up to two weeks if there was anything wrong with the lens. In the past, I generally just sort of buy lenses and then take them straight into the field and use them, you know, straight away to see if there are any, any issues. Um, I did take a few shots on Friday night that we'll, you know, we'll, we can, we'll look at later. But I figured that with this lens having uh, such a shallow depth of field when used wide open, I'd do uh, some tests, you know, just to, to make sure that it was focusing as, ex as expected, because there's really no room for error in when, you know, when you're working with depth of field this shallow. I'd not done this in any real structured way before, but I did a search on the web and found a document published by a guy called Tim Jackson, and he's basically put together a back and front focusing test chart. As one of the problems with the 50mm f1.2 was uh, back focusing when shooting up close, I figured that this would be a good test to put my mind at rest, that I'd, uh, I'd not got a duff lens or the, that there was not something there sort of hidden uh, in, the, uh, in the bushes that nobody had mentioned in the forums. I'll put a link to the page where you can download the document into the show notes in case you're interested in trying this out yourself. Before I go on though, I have to say that it seems that the version of the test that I used is now outdated. In the one that I used, the last few pages of the document are, uh, well one of them is a page that makes a base, uh, when printed that is obviously, uh, it makes a base um, that has the measurements for the test on, and another page uh, that you, you print out has like a cutout of a focus target. The new test that I found while preparing to talk about this one, um, about this, uh, you know, this in the uh, in this podcast, has um, no no focus target. It's basically just a single page that you can just lay down on a flat surface and shoot from an angle of forty five degrees. I didn't bother to redo my tests uh, as the results that uh, I got were good uh, with the old test, and I I'd already shot a number of images with the with the lens and I was relatively confident um, and I, I did a few other tests as well yesterday that we'll look into in a moment uh, but basically I'm happy enough with the lens I'm, I'm not going to redo the test just now 
Um, but you know, I, I think that definitely if I do this test for any future lens, I'll um, I'll definitely print out the new version. The one problem that I did find with the test that I use, the older one, is that having printed the chart out on relatively flimsy A4 paper, it sagged pretty badly um, when I'd, I sort of blue tacked it onto uh, you know, the, a closet door. And so it took some stretching to sort of get it you know, to stay up uh, the way I wanted it to. And a little bit of messing around there to, to get good results. I was going to suggest that you use stiffer paper um, for your tests, but really the new test looks uh, more reliable. And so now I, I know that it's there. I'd just say download that and um, you know forget about the one that I'm going to show you. Um, but generally the, uh, the idea is the same, so hopefully this will still be useful. With this, um, the new test being a single page too, you know, I'd, I'd be more inclined to print it out on high gloss uh, photo, good quality photo paper to get some really crisp black lines because, you know, I can just then file it, file that paper away. It's flat, right? And just file it away um, for reuse uh, in future tests. Uh, with the test that I did yesterday, um, you know, A, I wasn't so um, sure that it was going to be that useful a test before I started. Turns out it was. Um, but, you know, B, the, I, I really didn't want to try to find a place for something that had a you know, a, a, a stand-up sort of, you know, um, focus target on there. So as you'll see, it's relatively uh, large. So I didn't want to try and find somewhere to keep that. So my idea from the start was that I'd just sort of stick it all together, do the test, and then sort of scrumple it up and throw it away. And that's what I did. Anyway, the test was relatively easy to do. I'm not going to upload my resulting images um, to my gallery and so that we can you know we can search for them by number so what I'll do is I'll put them into the audio files uh, so if you look about now you'll be able to see the the test shot of the you know of the the first test that I did and I'll also put it into a forum post uh, that I'll I'll sort of link that link into the show notes so you should be able to get a look at these uh, images at some point in you know whichever way suits you you can see in the image that uh, you know basically once you've cut out a the the focus target, you paste it together and then paste it to uh, exactly the right place on the base page. Uh, you have a target that there then that sticks out from the page at 45 degrees, and you have to stick the whole thing uh, sort of horizontally on a door, so that uh, you know basically then you know you can shoot it from the side. Uh, with your camera, what you have to do is line up um, a line in the middle of the focus uh, panel. It's called. It says uh, the focus panel, and then you know you line that up with a line on the back, uh, on the base of the page, and that then makes sure that you are at 45 degrees to that target. And you know basically, it's it's pretty easy. A little bit fiddly to do, and like I say, getting the thing sort of up there on the on the uh, the closet door was a bit of a pain so definitely the new the new uh, system where you just sort of print it out as I say preferably on good high quality paper for nice uh, crisp lines and then just sort of drop it down you know lay it down on a flat surface and then you sort of put your camera at 45 degrees to that uh, that's uh, obviously going to be a lot easier to do and you can reuse the target more easily
You then set your lens aperture to the widest possible uh, because this allows you to see the effects the easiest and then focus using only the, the center focus point and shoot your test shot and really that's it. You might find that if uh, things aren't quite what you expected it may be because of the angle of the shot things like that but generally that will be pretty obvious and if you can't get it right um, after sort of taking a few chances then there is a good chance that there's something wrong with your lens um, which is obviously the reason that you're doing the you know all of these tests in the first place uh, so what I'll do is I'll link a, a resized version of my test to the post and it's the same shot that's on the in the audio right now uh, but then I'll link that to an image of the full-sized version so you know when I say when I say that I mean the the forum post I'll uh, link that to a full-size version so that you can actually open that, that up on your computer and look at it at 100% to see the details yourself I found that the focus was pretty much spot-on but there are some areas where the lines uh, either side of the one that I um, you know that is supposed to be the sharpest um, are actually focused a little bit sharper basically um, this is due to the sagging paper. Uh, the reason that I think that is because you know, I reckon I was sort of looking down or up slightly at the, at the chart, probably down, um, because the, 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 uh, you know, it runs out slightly to the back at the top and slightly to the front at the bottom. If it ran out to the back at, at the top and the bottom, obviously then I've got a problem, but um, it was kind of balanced out, so I'm thinking that uh, I'm, I'm okay. Um, because it's you know just basically like I say it's the same amount out at the top at the bottom but in the opposite directions I wasn't too worried about correcting this uh, on the whole the results show that my lens not front or or back focusing so I'm happy enough I read on Tim's website that there have been a lot of people that have panned this test as being unreliable etc and Tim has uh, a number of explanations as to why these claims are unfounded and I personally, you know, I, I think I, I agree with what Tim's written, uh, but also, you know, I really don't care to get into this sort of discussion myself. Um, you know, the test seemed, seems good enough for me, and the new version is probably even better. Uh, and I'm, I'm not trying to do rocket science here, I'm just giving myself some peace of mind that the expensive glass that I've just bought is perform, performing as it should, and I've done that. So... You know, I doubt that uh, he's listening, but thanks to Tim anyway for uh, going to the trouble to think of a way to test this and for maintaining and updating the test. It, uh, it all takes effort, so thanks for your generosity. So after that, I decided while I was at it that I'd do a test just to make sure, um, or, you know, I, I'd heard that this, uh, this lens was, was going to be sharp, wide open, which is not always the case. And so I decided to do a, a test to sort of check the resolution of my lens uh, by shooting a test card head-on. Uh, for this, I used uh, what appears to be an old video test card um, that I uh, I found a while back. It's the EIA1956. And I don't know if this 1956 is the year that the chart was made, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if it was. I'm sure that there are other great charts out there, and if anyone knows of any, uh, please do post a link in the forum uh, that I, the post that there that I'll create on the MBP podcast forum at martinbaileyphotography.com. 
I use this um, particular chart myself as I already have um, a nice high quality printout of one uh, on great glossy paper. Uh, so I just have to sort of whip it out and stick it on the wall and shoot my test shots. Also, as I said, I'm not really that worried about my tests um, uh, from a, like a rocket science perspective. All I want to do is just to make sure that uh, that it looks good. And I can tell that by looking at some shots of this uh, of this page. So I'm just not really bothered to look into this much more myself. So uh, anyway, I'll drop a link to the uh, EIA 1956 chart into the show notes as well or a page from where you can get it and I'll put that into the forum post so you can grab your own copy if you want to try this. I should note I guess that when I print this uh, out from a PDF using uh, my Pictorico high gloss paper and the necessary profile it comes out uh, like an olive green color in a lot of the now most of the blacks are black um, but although the PDF seems to be in black and white it comes out in like an olive green color and again, I'm not too worried about this, and I, but I don't know if this is how it should be. Um, if anyone does know, actually, let us know. But um, again, you know, not rocket science. I'm not too worried about this. Um, what I was trying to do here, basically, is just see how sharp the lens is when wide open, as I said. So, you know, you may have heard me say uh, in the past how much I love the Canon EF 50mm f1.4 lens. Uh, but I have to say that this lens is really just, um, you know, almost too soft um, at f1.4, you know, wide open, to be able to use it at that aperture. Unless, of course, you're after that uh, whole sort of soft effect that it's it's not just sort of beautiful bokeh, but, you know, everything, even the main sub subject, is going to be uh, relatively soft. So if that's what you're after, that's great. But I generally want, um, you know, a little more sharpness than that in my main subject. Well, the main reason that I was interested in the 85mm f1.2 is, as I say, Canon claims that this uh, this lens is sharp wide open. Uh, I also saw some similar claims from people that had posted comments around the internet while I was looking into this. So, you know, this is really what I wanted to prove to myself, uh, you know, that this is as, as sharp as, as it's supposed to be, even at f1.2. And, you know, basically I wasn't disappointed, as we'll see. To shoot the test card, I basically, once again, I just blue tacked it up to the closet door and then made sure that my camera was directly in front of the card. It doesn't need to be absolutely perfect, but with the, uh, the very narrow depth of field wide open, it needs to be relatively close. Um, to, to check the height, I used a tape measure and, uh, you know, just basically measured to the center of the lens. Um, actually, no, I measured it the other way around. I, because the, the chart was already on the door, I measure, measured to that, uh, that weird bullseye sort of thing in the center of the chart, and then um, just adjusted the height of my camera so that the center of the lens came to the same height. And you know, that way, uh, I'm, I know that I'm looking at it at least from the same height. And the you know whether it's at ninety degrees exactly, I'm not sure, but it's it's not as difficult to see that you can stand in front, and as you start to line the lens, you know the through the viewfinder, you start to line up at the chart, you can see that it's pointing at it um, from a pretty close sort of angle to ninety degrees. So it's not as difficult 
Uh, but again, it's not going to be really exactly spot on unless you start to do some fine tune, uh, fine tuning, or real sort of you know getting hooked into it and start to put things like planks of wood across and stuff like that and making sure that it's all at right angles. I'm not into that. I'm I'm, I'm not that worried. You can see if it's straight when you take a test shot. So I basically just try to get it as close as I can by eye and only really measuring the height of the um, the the lens, you know, the centre of the lens to make sure that it's the centre, the same as the centre of the target. I should note too that to focus on this chart, I selected all of the focus points and not just the centre one as in the last test. I just find that the focus works better with this chart if you give it uh you know the give give the camera's focusing system more to latch onto than that uh, psychedelic bullseye so you can see what i'm talking about though i've put the chart up now if you're listening to the enhanced version of the podcast you'll be able to see the chart uh, in the you know in, on your ipod now or in itunes um you can also just sort of whiz through them if you're looking at if you're listening to the the mp3 but it's not as easy so i'm not going to go into details about that um, basically though, again, I'm going to add this one. Um, what, what I've done is I've put together like an animated GIF or GIF file, um, that I'm going to, uh, put into the forum post as well. And that's going to allow me to show you not the reason that I've animated it is so that I can sort of series through the images and it's going to allow me to show you something else that I'm going to go into in a moment. Now the the GIF file will only be um, I think 700 pixels wide, so obviously you're not going to be able to see the details. So what I'm going to do is I'll zip up the rest of the full-sized images. It's a, around 17 megabytes, so you know it's it's a lot to sort of drag drag away. But I'm going to zip that up and put that link to that in the post as well, so that you can download the images and take a look at all the files that I shot. And the first thing you'll notice is that the shots are a little bit dark. I used center-weighted metering, and I'd basically uh, metered from the center of the image, which is mainly the, the card, which is quite a lot of white. So um, it's a little bit underexposed, but again, not rocket science, and I'm not, I wasn't too worried about compensating here. The interesting thing, though, that, and this is why I've put a, a, an animated GIF up there, or I'm going to, is that when you move quickly through the images, it's surprising how much vignetting we see with the lens from uh, f1.2 to f2. Um, you know, you can also, if you're going to do this uh, with the the, the full-size images, you can just sort of put them all into uh, one folder and then zip through them, or you know, maybe load them into Lightroom or something like that, and you'll be able to sort of series through them yourself, but it, it'll give you pretty much the same, as far as looking at the vignetting is uh, concerned, it'll give you pretty much the same sort of thing as you'll see from the animated GIF that I'll put up. The vignetting is not um, very concerning at all. It's nice and smooth and will be almost unnoticeable unless comparing shots like we are here. But at uh, f1.2 f uh, and f1.4, the, the first two images that I shot, um, the very center of the image um, is is pretty normal, but then from from the outside, you know, from really quite close to the center, um, it starts to get considerably darker than the other shots. At f2, it's still quite noticeable, and then it sort of goes away after that. Um, it's not vignetting in the sense that the edges have gone totally black. You know, there's no lines like when you have uh, too many filters on or something like that. Um, but it's 
it's more like uh, you know what you'll see on on a lot of old film um, cameras. You know, the, the when the when lenses weren't quite uh, you know the, the um, you know the, as wide as big as they are now. It's surprising with the size of this lens that it's got that. But I reckon you know when we're talking about dragging in so much light as as this eighty five millimeter has to do, um, then I guess it just gets a little bit uh, a bit crowded around the edges. So. Uh, and again, like I say, it's it's not only not worrying; it's probably actually um, adds quite a nice effect. So I'm uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna think about this uh, as a negative thing. Um. So anyway, the you know I've included from the f 1.2 image right the way up through uh, to f 16, which is the minimum, the smallest aperture for this lens, and I've done that in full stops. Um, obviously though f1.2 is only a third of a stop down from f1.4 which is the next full stop so after that we have uh, you know that there's just a third of a stop a gap there after that we have f2 f2.8 5.6 8 11 and 16 and you'll see that uh, from f2.8 onwards the shadowing's not there or the vignetting is not there Anyway, on to the, uh, the main thing that I really wanted to look at, and that was just how sharp this lens is at f1.2. And I have to tell you that I knew this was going to be good, but it far surpassed my expectations. Even wide open at f1.2, the image is just incredibly sharp. If anything, there's perhaps a little bit of um, chromatic aberration uh, up to f2.8. Not so much the sharpness, but there's... A tiny sort of pink fringe that I can see on the lines and you know to be honest I need to go back to the um, to the raw images and make sure that this was there because I didn't really notice it until um, I've just sort of you know really got up close to, to these shots I'm looking at them um, in preparation for this I'm looking at them on a Mac and I'm, my PC's powered down now so I want to check this if I don't see this in the raw images then I'll make a note of this in the forum um, but in the in the shots that I'm looking at right now, there's a very slight amount of sort of pink fringing in the the first few images. Um, really sharp though, still, and uh, you know probably not even noticeable in most shots. Um, the from f4, you know the the sharpness is is one one hundred percent perfect. Until that, very very slightly soft, but um, just you know so sharp compared to uh, the f1.4 for example um, so you know the, the test sort of proved that I can be I can be as happy and I can use this lens wide open um, without worrying about you know getting things that are too soft um, from like I say up to f4 or so uh, maybe just you know just a tiny amount of fringe in there uh, again I'll check that but from 5.6 upwards everything just tightens up uh, even more and it's just an amazing lens so I've got no complaints across the board and um, take a look at the f1.2 full-size image that I'll put into the uh, into the post I, as I say I'll zip them all up so that you can just download them and take a look actually no what I'll do is I'll because the zip file is gonna be pretty big right so uh, to save downloads if all you want to see is the f1.2 full-size I'll link that to the to the post as well in some way, probably to the first uh, example image, and then I'll uh, you know I'll allow you to take that sort of straight from there or enable you to take that straight from there, 
Um, and then, you know, the zip file will contain that and all of the rest if you're really interested in seeing the whole series. Um, so you're probably wondering um, how this lens fares, fares in the real world. Uh, so let's take a look at a couple of shots from last Friday night. And the first one is image number 1518 in my online gallery. Remember that you can see the images in iTunes or on my podcast page or jump straight to this image by punching in the number into the field that you'll find in the podcast pull-down menu at martinbaileyphotography.com and then hitting the button or uh, the enter key on your keyboard. Although I'll be using this uh, lens in my usual nature photography, uh, you can, you know, you can't, you can, you can't buy a lens um, that's suited for portrait work and not shoot portraits with it. So here we can see Yuji. This is actually my other half's nephew who was in Tokyo last weekend and stopped over with us on Friday night. And here we were in a very sort of dark uh, pub having something to eat and some drinks. And I asked him if I could, uh, you know, photograph him a little, and he obviously obliged. And as it was so dark, I, obviously no flash, I upped the ISO to 800, opened the aperture up to f1.4, and set the shutter speed to 140th of a second, and shot a handful of images. At a 40th of a second, you know, that's pretty fast uh, for how dark it was. There was really not a lot of light, a very moody, dark sort of um, establishment, I want to say. And obviously, uh, this lens is letting in, it's allowing a lot of light in, um, even at, uh, you know, I had to use 800 uh, ISO, but it's letting a lot of light in with that, uh, with that sort of size aperture. I'm pretty pleased with the results uh, well very pleased with the results I should say I had of course focused on the eyes and the detail is just incredible and uh, you know just very slightly grainy because of the high ISO but totally acceptable and you know that's why I decided to actually upload these uh, shots to my uh, my main gallery in the portrait gallery the second image is number 1519 and this time we can see Yuji's eyes with a nice sort of catch light and again very very sharp. This was shot with exactly the same settings as the last so the depth of field is very shallow because of the f1.4 aperture. I focused on his left eye or the right eye as in the shot as we look at it when viewed at 100% even with the slight grain of the, eye, the high ISO Again, it re really just blew me away. Yuji was moving around all the time while I was shooting him, though, and I had a f I'd had a few beers, uh, so I imagine the sharpness could be even better with, uh, say, lower ISO and a steadier hand. Notice, too, that the background is pretty much totally out of focus. This is because, um, of again, of the, the wide aperture. Um, normally, as the as the subject moves away from you, you know, as the distance becomes greater, you have much more of a job getting the background out of focus, even at very uh, wide apertures. So this is where this lens really just sort of comes into its own, even with um, a relatively large amount of distance between you and the um, and the subject. You can still get a lot of background blur there. So it's just it's just great for this sort of work. We can sort of make out shapes in that background blur there. It was actually an open kitchen door. 
um, but it's just blurred enough, so blurred that we can't really um, see what it what what it is, and it it doesn't really detract from the main subject at all. It's just a bunch of large blotches of color and light. In general, um, I'm very very happy with the lens, and I can't wait to really sort of use it out in the field. Uh, just to recap, my main reason for doing these tests was to ensure that I didn't have a duff lens. The other thing is that um, this is the first f1.2 lens that I've bought and I really wanted to see if it was as sharp, uh, wide open as I'd expected. I don't think I would have been able to have taken it back even if it wasn't. I would really sort of have had to have you know, gone back with evidence of front or back focusing or just a plain faulty lens in some way um, for them to just sort of take it back during that two weeks. Um, but I, you know, I would have at least, having done the test, been able to prove that it was doing that, at least to the point where they would probably take it and do some tests themselves. Um, you know, because all a lot of these lenses are not uh, something that you can do very easily, and I'm sure they wouldn't trust, um, you know, trust me, to, my images to uh, to uh, you know to prove that it was front or back focusing. But at least it would be easier to tell them and sort of show them, uh, you know, with with printed out images or the digital images, uh, you know, what I was getting in my tests. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm happy, um, happy as happy can be, to be honest. Um, you know, what, one of the things that I was thinking is that I would probably, I'll probably start to do this with all new lenses um, as I buy them now. And I'd, I'd not really thought to do it in the past, um, but this, this one comment about taking it back within the two weeks sort of sparked it all off. When I do have some new additions to my arsenal of lenses, I'll definitely use the new version of Tim Jackson's front and back focus test. And uh, as you know, I will probably still still keep my old EIA nineteen fifty six test chart. Uh, I think, like I say, video test chart. Um, but if if anyone does have any uh, charts that are freely available on the internet, you know, freely available for download. Um, then you know by all means sort of point them out and if if they look as though they'll do a, a better job of the ones that I'm using uh, then you know I'll I'll definitely uh, switch over to that one as well I'll uh, it'll probably be a good idea for you to check the forum thread that will um, probably follow you know it'll start to grow following this podcast uh, check that for any new new ideas and feedback before you do any tests of your own uh, so really this uh, this podcast is just a primer it's a start of um, probably a, a few other uh, ideas as well. If you do decide to do tests for lenses that you buy or already own, remember that if it's a zoom lens, you need to perform these tests at various focal lengths as well. Uh, I just did mine at 85mm, obviously, because it's uh, it's a prime lens. But if you were to pick up, say, a 70 to 200mm lens, you'd probably want to do the test in three or five stages. I'd say that one at 70 and 200 is the, the obvious sort of no-brainer, um, you know, the, the, the very uh, shortest and longest uh, focal length of that lens. And then I would probably like to see one at around 135. If you only want to do three, then, you know, three sets, because remember that you're going to want to go through the, um, the apertures as well. But if you only want to do three sets, then uh, 70, 135 and 200 would work. And if you want to do, you know, if your patience holds out and you can do a few more, then I would say that adding 100 and 175 
um, would sort of break that up nicely into five stages and you'd get a really good uh, idea then of how your lens performs at all of these uh, focal lengths. Uh, some lenses don't perform great across the whole, the zoom lenses that is of course, don't perform great across the whole range. The, um, I don't know, the, a good example would be the 100 to 400 millimeters. A lot of um, people wouldn't like to admit this because it is, in general, an amazing lens. Um, but it's definitely, when you get up close to 400, um, it's, it's not the sharpest puppy in the basket. You know, it's, uh, so basically, uh, you know, doing these sort of tests will give you a good idea of, of your own lenses. And there may be sort of variance between each lens. I wouldn't imagine it would be very great, but, um, you know, anything that's manufactured like this could have slight variances. So, you know, just sort of get a, a an idea of how your own lens is going to be performing at these, uh, at these various um, focal lengths will probably help you out in the field. As I said, I'm not really doing uh, this, you know, 100%. I'm, it's relatively sort of ad hoc or not so much ad hoc, but I'm, I'm not doing rocket science here, as I say. It's all just to really make sure that the things um, that, you know, the lenses that I have are, are working as I expect them to. Um, obviously, I've not done this for all of my lenses. I've, I've done it a few times in the past, um, but, you know, only really when I've thought there might have been a problem. Uh, this time it was more preventative just to make sure that I didn't have a problem before it would have been much more difficult to take it back to the shop. Um, so using your lenses in the field is always a good way to show up deficiencies too. So, you know, don't worry about this too much. I definitely won't be. Um, you know, if things, if there are problems, they'll, they'll show up in the field. And so, you know, I'm not going to be going like, like I say, going back and doing this for all of my existing lenses. Um, just more of a preventative thing. So remember that the new assignment is now on as well and the theme is documentary or photojournalism. So it's going to be a pretty tough one uh, for me because I'm, I'm not, that, uh, you know, not that big on that kind of photography. But uh, one of the reasons that I chose it is to get me out of my um, comfort zone as well. Take a listen to episode 100 from last week or check out the assignment forum at martinbaileyphotography.com for more details. Also, I wanted to mention um, once again um, the Hokkaido workshop. I mentioned this the first time um, around a month ago, maybe a little bit more, on the Focus Ring podcast and then again in the following Martin Bailey Photography podcast. Uh, but basically, um, I'm thinking of planning a trip to Hokkaido, which is the island at the, mo the northernmost part of Japan, for a, uh, a winter wildlife and landscape workshop. Um, what I want to what I want to do I've had about seven people contact me so far um, but this number is probably not going to be enough to make it work uh, we'll need at least I would say 12 um, pro preferably up to 15 if we want to really make this work uh, the, the main reason for that is that uh, you know we're going to be moving around by bus and a small sort of like half-size bus that, that seats um, comfortably seats 12 to 13 maybe up to 15 people will be the best uh, way for us to do this but obviously that's that's going to mean that we're going to have to pay out quite a lot because the the driver is with us for the whole week it's like a um, you know they, they spend their nights in the hotels with us so 
we basically have to pay someone for the whole week so that if there's not enough people we just obviously aren't going to make that make enough um, enough money on the trip to uh, you know to warrant even paying the driver so I I'm looking for at least another um, I would say eight people or so and even then I would imagine that not everyone that um, that contacts me is is gonna go <laughs> so uh, you know really the more the merrier and if you are interested the just mail me drop me a line saying yes I'm interested um, no obligation at this point but just sort of yes I'm interested put me on the list and that mail should go to workshop at martinbaileyphotography.com um, it's probably going to be from around January the 28th which is a Monday so that will give you the weekend to actually get to Japan and then it will run through to the uh, 1st or 2nd of February which is the following Sat Friday or Saturday respectively uh, we'll be seeing stellar eagles, white-tailed eagles and of course the Japanese red-crowned cranes there'll be wild deer and possibly other wildlife too and you know Hokkaido is just a beautiful place in the winter so uh, although it's extremely cold it makes for some incredible winter landscape shots so we'll definitely work in time for that too I'll be providing interactive tuition throughout and make sure that it's not just a um, you know the photographic chance of a lifetime but also um, a real chance to improve on your photography no matter what your level there's going to be things that, that try you here and uh, even the most advanced photographer I'm sure will gain from this so as I say we need another um, about the same number again uh, so just keep on you know, mailing me if you're interested and um, you know if if we have a realistic chance of making this happen then I'll start to really put some time into the planning and uh, I'll start to put some instructions together on what the sort of things that you need um, you obviously you're gonna need stuff um, to protect you and your gear from the extreme weather and I'll, I'll make sure that you get as much information as you need to, uh, to get that before you come. Um, there may be some things that I have to buy here and what I'll do is I'll just let you all know what they are and then we can break those out when we start. Um, I'm thinking of the hand warmers that actually burn charcoal because you can't bring the charcoal on the flights. So I would have to actually buy that, even for myself, buy that in Tokyo and then send it to the hotel that we'll stop at at the first day or the bus company and sort of have them um, sort of bring it out to us uh, all of that though loads of stuff to plan and to be honest I don't want to do, go too much into that um, until I know that, there's a, that, that it's worth doing it basically there's a lot of other stuff on my plate if, we're, if we've got enough people interested that's great we'll make it happen so do mail me workshop at martinbaileyphotography.com if you're interested and that's about it. So uh, all that remains to be said is thanks for listening and you have a great week, whatever you're doing. Bye bye. Photocastnetwork.com, your photography resource in the potosphere. Photocastnetwork.com.